Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is Jay Swords and this is the podcast extension for ROI Show 486. Our guest for today is Dr. Simon Jowett, Associate Professor of Economic Geology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and we're going to be talking about how ending mining would change the world. The history buffs joining us are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. Ed, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Jay. Simon, can you give us uh, some examples uh, of materials where in the last hundred years, let's say where the, the, that the uh, mining companies have cleaned up their acts, but more specifically where the actual techniques for purification and concentration um, beyond just you know cleaning up the waste uh, are there any examples where the actual technology has changed and the chemical processes have changed so where the, the, the whole thing is much safer from start to finish? Um, there's, now you put me on the spot a bit there, but um, I'm just trying to think because there's, there's certain, I guess there's, there's certain um, minerals where we've, we've certainly changed what we do in terms of processing. So uh, like one example would be some sort of... Would, some forms of copper extraction. So what they uh, used to do is you used to dig copper out of the ground and then you used to send it to a smelter and that smelter would use essentially a, a, what's called pyrometallurgy. So high temperature um, reactions with, with fluxes and so on to actually extract the, the metal. And one of the uh, outcomes of that is things like um, sulfur entering the atmosphere and things like this. So there's, there's been a couple of technological advances there. One is that you know, we've actually developed sulfur scrubbers to remove sulfur from uh, the, the chimneys associated with smelters so that they don't enter the atmosphere and don't cause things like acid rain and, and so on. And the other thing is changing the way we actually process some ores. So some ores are uh, amenable to, uh, instead of taking them to a smelter, you might actually do what's called a, a heat leach. So you, you mine the ore, you put the ore on a pad, and then you spray essentially acid over it. That doesn't sound great, but the acid is actually contained in a drainage system, so it doesn't actually, you know, the, these pads are lined, and it's 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 a good idea for the company to make sure that acid doesn't re be removed from the system because the acid is actually what interacts with the ore, what leaches the copper, and if you lose any of the acid, you're actually losing the copper. So it's a, it's not only, you know, the acid is kept in a closed circuit, it's reused, that reduces water use in the mining environment, and uh, it's, it's, it's somewhat better in terms of there's no sulfur pollution in the atmosphere, there's no acidic runoff or anything like that, and then the, the copper is actually extracted electrolytically. So you basically just put it in a, uh, you, you end up with kind of a copper, I'm going to get my anodes and cathodes mixed up, ca copper cathode um, extracted from these solutions electro electrolytically, and then the acid is just recycled around to the heat leak pad. So there's, there's been advances like that, and that, you know, they, they, there's in, there are environmental advances, so that's good for everybody globally, but also there are advances in terms of the ways, uh, the, the types of water, the approaches that mining companies can use to extract the metals we need, and they, they want to extract to obviously make a profit. So there's that's one example. There's a number of other areas, but certainly technological advances focus on, on two things. The, the enhanced or the cheaper extraction of metals from ores and also reducing environmental costs because they are essentially, a, a, they, they affect the bottom line of a given minerals uh, mining company, plus also they affect the ability of all of the mining companies globally to actually operate. Bad, bad environmental practices cause problems for everybody. Bad. Rick, do you have a question? Yeah, uh, Simon. Uh, 
we talked in the broadcast portion about uh, ending civilization as we know it. If we stop mining, how quickly it uh, disintegrate. In your mind, what is the single most important mineral uh, or uh, metal uh, that supports our modern life? Oh, um, <laughs> I would have to say something like copper. Um, it's kind of near ubiquitous. So, you know, anytime you want to move electricity around, you're going to need copper. And if you think about moving electricity around on a grid scale or moving electricity around in your computer or in your mobile phone or whatever, we're doing it all the time. Uh, and that that energy kind of intensity or the, 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 the amount of copper we use has, again, just gone up over time, but it's also gone up, as I mentioned in the, in the earlier broadcast, about per capita. Um, you know, if we, I think copper. If uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, you know, the the amount of copper every human on this planet is, uses has gone up in the last say fifty or sixty years, three or four times from what it was in the 1950s and 60s, and that's just the the and the 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 kind of electrification of modern society. And I think if you removed copper, uh, or all of a sudden copper, the copper mining industry hit a problem, then we would all start to kind of suffer in terms of just the things we use routinely. Uh, copper is an example of like an industrial metal, if you like. It's it's one of these things that we're, we're hugely reliant. And um, uh, we do recycle a lot of it, but we also mine 20 million tons plus a year of copper. And that all goes into new things that we use every day. So I think that's a, a kind of classic example of a metal that's been around for a long time. Uh, you know, since pre-Roman times, since, uh, you know, the, the Bronze Age and so on. Uh, but also has become just increasingly more important to us over the last 50, 60 years. Simon, I have sort of two related questions. Um, one being the idea that uh, manufacturers for years and years operated on planned obsolescence. We need to sell more product, so we need to make sure that the the product we sell you breaks down so that you have to buy a new one. That seems to me to create a, a problem with your with your your metal usage in that you're discarding a lot of of uh, useful material and that then leads me to my second question, which is um, science fiction writers for years have been talking about mining uh landfills and things like that that you're going to get to the point where that becomes economically useful i'm just wondering how close we are to remedying the first problem and or to capitalizing the second one i think there are certain parts of the world where people are looking at that kind of obsolescence problem and, and trying to litigate to address that so the, the european union is a good example where people are, or the, the legislation there is coming in where you actually have a right to repair and replace so you know if you have a smartphone you should be able to take that smartphone somewhere and get it repaired or replace a component in it like replace a battery that we used to be able to do by ourselves we used to be able to buy a new battery for your phone and, and just replace it but nowadays it's it's you know you've got a there's so many steps involved in you know you've got to give your phone to somebody for a day where they take it apart and you know, do something out of sight with your battery to replace it. And even then, the, the kind of the phone, as you say, may be obsolescent another year down the track. So people often think, well, let's just get another phone. So I think I think that kind of built-in obsolescence is still there. And that does, that does kind of create a number of issues because 
the, the things we use, the metals we use in our phones and then other kind of electronic uh, devices or whatever, things like your lithium-ion battery. Uh, that's, again, kind of ubiquitous. Every phone has one. Uh, electric vehicles have them. Um, the, the lithium, the graphite, the cobalt or nickel in those batteries, the cobalt and nickel are probably, ex- you know, re- recyclable. They're the most some of the most recyclable metals we have. But the lithium, lithium globally, we still recycle at a rate of less than 1% or maybe 1%. And we're using ever more, ever more of it. And that applies to a wide range of metals, which we just don't recycle enough of. There's a lot of metals we use in small amounts in modern devices, like phones and like laptops, that essentially mean the way we use them in such small amounts, like to give you, make your touchscreen a touchscreen, uh, means they're inherently unrecyclable. So there's the, the redundancy or the, the kind of built-in obsolescence side of things, but also the fact that the way we use things, things are designed to be, uh, you know, to, to not be recycled. And that's a, that's a kind of crucial problem when we're using more and more lithium-ion batteries and so on. So one example of that is I'm just going to briefly mention is the touchscreen on your smartphone is a, is a combination of indium tin on oxygen. It's a it's a compound that's put on to make your touchscreen touchscreen you know a touchscreen it allows it to conduct. That is really really difficult to recycle because it's such a thin layer and you have to basically scrape it off. So that in essence means that that indium that tin is just one use. Especially so when you think about how many smartphones you might have lying in your drawers because you haven't done anything with them recently, or you know you, you thought you might take them and donate them but you haven't done that. So there's there's logistical as well as technical issues about why we're kind of poor on the recycling side of things and i've waffled on so long i've forgotten the second half of your question so <laughs> just, just the idea of have we gotten to a point yet where where um being uh where we're mining landfills for materials is becoming profitable i think we are uh, certainly uh, areas again like europe where there's um there's, there's legislative or tax benefits to consider that that's a that's certainly a way, and I know they've had a couple of test sites over there where they've actually mined landfill and have have made profits, even just on the kind of the, the test sites where they, they're testing the concepts. Uh, the other thing is other waste. So we talked about um, the amount of waste generated by mining and the amount of fact it could be environmentally problematic and so on. But one thing to think about is, you know, the, all that mining waste from, say, 30 years ago plus, uh, all that mining waste focused on the generation of a few commodities. It didn't focus on the the other commodities that we didn't use in the 70s or 80s or way before that, and that are probably still lying in those waste piles. So there's 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 kind of an opportunity to generate wealth from waste, even if it's like not-for-profit mining. So what you can do if you've got an environmentally problematic waste mining waste site. You can go in, you can assess it, you can extract metals that were missed the first time because we didn't have a use for them then, and that money could actually go into environmentally remediating the site or something like that, so not-for-profit mining. And that, that applies to all sorts of waste materials, like the sludge we get, the red red muds we get from, from aluminum processing, or aluminium if you're from the UK, like they, uh, from, uh, from bauxite uh, processing and things like this, which could be used as secondary sources for other metals. So I think there's all sorts of scope of revisiting the waste we've generated over the last centuries and revisiting it and rethinking it because we didn't think about the metals in those things the first time around. 
or because we're, you know, because the, the value in the waste that we chucked away 20 years ago means that, you know, it, it all of a sudden the, the elements in there have become way more valuable and we should think about extracting. So I think there's there's a lot of scope in, in what I guess you might term wealth from waste. And that wealth can be economic wealth, environmental wealth, or social wealth, even creation of jobs and things like this. There's all sorts of opportunities. All right, Rick, you get the last question. Well, I, I want to go back to the recycling <clears throat> uh, uh how has our recycling of of metals and, and uh, materials, uh, mineral materials, improved over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years? Is it something that is increasingly becoming more effective, or are we still missing the mark? So it varies a lot by commodity. So the base metals, like uh, if we say... Titanium, chromium, manganese, iron, cobalt, nickel, copper, zinc, aluminum, um, tin, lead. All of those are recycled pretty darn well. So we have everything in place, the logistics in place to deal with them. Uh, you know, they, they're recycled at the end of a life of something with containing those metals. Those metals are generally recycled at rates better than 50%. You know, they may be even higher than that. Um, because we've we've used them so long that we know how to recycle them. So if you like, if you, the lead acid battery in your in your car, if you take that away, the lead in that is going to be recycled because the the logistical chain is in place. The, you know, there's, there's value in that lead, and there's also value in not discarding that lead because it creates environmental problems and can be result in fines and the like. Um, precious metals the same because of the value and the way we use them. So jewelry gets recycled. So platinum, palladium, silver, gold, all of those things are inherently recycled and, and recycled at high rates. Um, I guess the, the, the problem is the metals that we, we kind of haven't used that often. So lithium, the rare earth elements, the lanthanide elements uh, that we use increasing amounts of, uh, and we just haven't got things in place to recycle them yet. And that's... Uh, that's the kind of um, the technological challenge because we're using more and more of them and at the moment, like I mentioned briefly earlier. Um, you know, they're, they're just use, they're, they're one use, and that's no good for for anything really. I mean, you, you, you'd want to make sure you move towards what, what's been called a circular economy. So, you buy your lithium, you put it in a battery. That battery gets used for its lifetime, and then it gets recycled around, so you don't have to mine as much lithium. But the the bottom line is even with more than 50% recycling of some of the metals that we, we've mined for decades or centuries, like nickel, like iron, we still mine more of those than we ever have done before because that recycling alone can't meet the increasing demand we see. So it's, uh, um, I think um, we are very good at recycling some metals, um, and recycling is always good, but there's a huge range of challenges, especially in the metals that we're using more and more of and, and that have been, been become more more usable uh, by modern society in the last 20 or 30 years. We haven't got the recycling infrastructure or approaches in place to, to do the same that we've done with iron, copper, and nickel, and so on. And I think that answered your question. Yes. All right. Well, we have to wrap things up, so we want to thank our guest for this 486th show, Dr. Simon Jowett. Associate Professor of Economic Geology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, we've been talking about how ending mining would change the world. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. 
Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web at TuneIn.com. If you're looking for older programs, you'll find them at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at Station KALA, St. Ambrose University.